This podcast may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. I'm glad to be finally releasing this episode. I have had a lot of technical difficulties with my computer and with the audio quality. My computer kept crashing just as I was finishing up the editing of a couple of these interviews. Long story short, days of work lost in a second flat. And although I have considered throwing in the towel that this is just not for me, it's just also not in me to quit. And I want to pause to thank those that have listened to me bitch and moan and kept reminding me that this is not about the way it sounds. This is about Shannon and her story and bringing awareness so that we can get resolution. Without these teammates, I would be down the river with no boat. Wait a minute. I don't think that's it, but I can't remember what it is. Sorry. One of them being C, who I will be interviewing for the next episode, which I think y'all will enjoy. She is quite the character. She has gone above and beyond making phone calls and digging in with her whole heart. And Deborah, for all the research she has been putting in to sussing out other cases that may be connected to Shannon's or not. And, as you heard on the last episode, I'd like to thank Amelia and Lainey at Murder at Land Between the Lakes for coming on Cold Truth and having me on their podcast. That episode has been listened to over 1,300 times. That's how we do it, folks. And on that same note, Brad Golson has been helping us with Shannon's case and sharing her episodes on his page, The Morgan County Three, Hunter Aker Drake. Please check out his page on Facebook and watch his videos that can be found on his page. He has done some amazing work and I'm honored to have his help and will be hosting him on an upcoming episode of Cold Truth. I will post both of the links in the description of this episode. This is how we gain momentum in these cases. All of these families deserve answers and justice. By working together, we spread awareness across the states. Better together. I'm sure you get sick of hearing me say that, but it's so true. We may just be one voice, but together, we can be a very loud voice. And of course, Shannon's family and Wesley, who filled in for Dapper Dad on this episode. And he was the one that started the Justice for Shannon Facebook group. Without you, I would not be here doing this, nor would I have gotten to know Shannon and her amazing family. With that said, we've all heard, at one time or another, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So hopefully the content of these interviews outweighs the sound quality. So let's get rolling. In the previous episodes, we got to know Shannon, what took place on August 16, 2001, and the 52 days before Shannon was found by two hunters on October 6, 2001, just 19 miles from her Candlestick neighborhood in Prattville, Alabama. I think her uncle Charlie said it best. She loved. She loved with her whole heart. She loved helping others. She had a way of knowing what others needed and was always willing to help make people feel better and bring a smile to their face. Everything and everyone was special to her. She trusted. She didn't see the world as most of us do. She saw the good and brought out the good in those around her, except for the evil bastard who brutally killed her. You know, it's sad that the very traits that made this beautiful 11-year-old girl so special were most likely the traits this monster used against her. That makes me mad. 
It makes me mad for Shannon and her family, and it makes me mad for the kids who knew Shannon. I've heard from many of her friends and family that view life as before Shannon and after Shannon. It's subconscious for them, not realizing that they're even referring to time this way. Before August 16th and the final blow on October 6th of 2001, when they learned that Shannon was not going to come home ever again. Her home is not on this earth, but those that loved her are. They have been forced to live on, forced to change the way they lived day to day. No more trust, no more being naive, no more thinking you live somewhere, that this just doesn't happen here. This was replaced with a dark cloud of suspicion and fear of who would be next. That didn't stop with just one generation. Her friends and relatives' children pay the price as well for what this monster took away that day. They don't get to be like Shannon, who was free to play, be happy in her naivete and blind trust. Life after Shannon comes with a warning label. That makes me so mad, which is worsened by the fact that her killer is still unknown 19 years later. That is not okay. Today we will be discussing October 6th of 2001, the day they found Shannon. And I'm going to pause right here to say that this episode will be very painful to hear. We will be discussing the horrendous way Shannon was found. And I want y'all to know that I really wrestled with what to say, what to edit out, and how to be mindful of Shannon's family and how this will affect them because it will affect them. But at the same time, I know that they want this bastard caught way more than I do. And maybe, just maybe, by telling these details, I hope it helps the person who knows to finally come forward. Maybe they didn't know just how brutal her death was and have been living with a lie told to them by her killer. Maybe he told them that it was an accident he didn't mean to and he'll never do it again. And they wanted to believe him. And I hope that once they hear what was actually done to little Shannon, they won't be able to hide behind that lie anymore and they will finally come forward with what they know. Maybe there is another case out there that once they hear these details, they will reach out about a similar case. So that's why I've decided to include this. Okay, back to the day they found Shannon. According to the local papers, her body was placed in a trash bag. Her clothes were in the same trash bag in a pile. She had been tied with rope. The trash bag was also tied with rope and put under some brush on a fire lane road inside of a hunting preserve, 19 miles from where she was abducted in Candlestick. And as is standard in situations like this, her family picked her death date, and they chose August 16th of 2001. And based on some known facts and my understanding of the death process, I believe she was murdered on this day, or very soon after. Although the investigators were confident they had found Shannon, based on her hair color, clothing description, and that no other young females were missing except Shannon, they had to wait for the DNA test to officially be confirmed 
by the Alabama Department of Forensic Sciences before her funeral could be held on October 19th of 2001. The news article was released on October 17th, so I assume that the DNA results came back on the 16th or 17th, taking them only 10 days to run DNA. But the abduction, now-turned-murder investigation, started on October 6th. They did not wait. First, we will hear from Shannon's Aunt Jeanette, immediately followed by Uncle Charlie, Aunt Tammy, her dad Billy, and lastly, myself and Wesley, discussing the interviews. Let's hear what her family had to say about the day they found Shannon. One more warning, graphic content. Daddy, is Shannon with Jesus? remember about that day, the 6th? I remember my sister-in-law calling me because her, she has a relative that works for the uh, 911 here in Otago County. And uh, my sister-in-law called me. She said, Jeanette, they, they found a body and they think it's Shannon. And I asked her where and she told me. So I went and got her and we went over there. Of course, they wouldn't let us go up where it was at. We had to stay on the road, but I talked to the police officers and I asked them, I said, are you sure? They said, we're, we're almost positive it's her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't imagine that moment for you. Yeah. And after we buried her, my husband and I and my brothers and their wives, we all went back up there to where the two hunters found her body. They met us up there and showed us exactly where she was. Marie didn't go. She never knew anything about us going, to my knowledge. What can you tell me about the place that Shannon was found? It was a haunting area, and uh, I guess I'd been there for years. I had never been to it and, and didn't know anything about it. Of course, I'm not a hunter. My husband doesn't hunt either, you know, so. But uh, it was just woods. And uh, when you go up the dirt road going into the main entrance, there's a little fire lane to the right, and apparently, He had pulled down there and just threw her out, what Um, it looked like. It's called a hunting preserve. Mm -hmm. It is. There is an entrance to this hunting preserve? There is. Where is that located? It's right there off the road. Is it on County Road 66, the entrance, or on 57? I'm not sure which road it is, Mel. Uh, I want to say 57, but I'm not sure about that now. Well, and it may be 66. Okay, but when I look at a map, there appears to be two County Road 66s that run parallel to each other. One is a lot closer to Posey's Crossroad than the other, so that's why Mm -hmm. it seems, it's very confusing to me, because I I do want to know where she is, not for morbid curiosity, but more to make sure that this isn't somewhere that you would just stumble upon. Right. No, this is an area somebody had to know. And why is that? The location, uh, and like I said, I've lived, I've lived up here all my life, and I didn't know it was there. This is something I feel like someone had been to before. Was it off of a main road? Just barely. Mm-hmm. Like a dirt road that led to a dirt road that led to a dirt road kind of a deal? Well, I, it, it was down in. Uh, a, lot, a lot of dirt roads running together. Dirt road. It seemed unlikely that the person didn't know where this place was. Right. What do you remember the area looking like? Just woods. Nothing but woods. Was there a path? 
drive a car? Did he have to get out? No, you could drive. You could drive up through there. Okay. It had it had like a, a path that you could drive. And so that's what you meant when you said that he likely just drove down there, tossed her out, and, and drove away. Mm-hmm. That's really cold to, yeah. to put a child in a trash bag and throw her away like trash is... It's, it's evil. It is. And it speaks to the type of killer we're dealing with. Right. It's pure evil. To me, it rules out family. Now, not always, but I mm-hmm. think in this case, the way she was found would rule out this family. Mm-hmm. Because of the callousness, the lack of care that Shannon experienced after she had died. What do you know about the hunters that found her? Really nothing. I knew their names, but they're both very nice men. Were they cleared? Yes. I read in a newspaper article that Cliff Ziegler, one of the hunters, had turned in some evidence after the day that he found Shannon. Do you remember what that was or why it was turned in after the day that they found her? Actually, I I knew nothing about that. And, I mean, it was a big write-up about how he turned in... Um, additional evidence after the day that they found her. And I'm thinking, what could that have been and why? Right. That is very strange. Did he take something from the scene? Did his dog eat something? It's just so odd. Maybe drag something away like he, you know, took her sock or didn't realize it. Oh, it was very odd. The necklace. Can you tell me about the necklace? I've heard of the necklace, and but myself, I really don't know anything about it. Who was the one that, that turned it in? Do you, do you remember? Or who I would know. know about it that I could ask? I'm, I'm guessing Bob Furlong. He was the chief investigator over her case. I mean, because I, I knew it wasn't going to be good. I, I'm, you know, I, I was praying that we was going to find her, but I didn't want to find her that way. How did you find out? Where were you? How did you find out that they had found her? I was in Decatur, working in Decatur, when uh, Tammy called me. My boss man, you know, he, he told me, he said, Charlie's going home, you know, and be with your family. So we drove, me and my son, we drove from Decatur uh, back to Prattville. And I, I went straight to Marie's house, and I think it was about 9 o'clock that night when uh, when I got to Marie's. On October 6th. Yep. The papers report that they had trouble IDing Shannon. I mean, they pretty much knew it was her. The hunter said he knew it was her based on the description of her shorts. Right. Why did they have trouble IDing her? Well, she'd been out there for a while, you know, and, and the animals done strode her around and all. And uh, he said he, he seen the head sticking out of the bag. And he, he said the first time he seen it, he thought it was a baby doll. And then when his dog went over, he went over, and that's when he realized, you know, it, it, it was a human body. That's just awful. So I couldn't it, imagine running up on something like that. The shock of it and then the horror that guard really, of really, a child in that manner. I mean, it was pretty brutal. That's, that's, that's worse than cold. I couldn't even do an animal like that. I couldn't either. You know, and that's the thing is that we're not dealing with someone with a normal, we're dealing with a psychopath. Somebody like that's got to be real mentally, I mean, real, real mentally disturbed. Absolutely. It sure doesn't seem like a one-time crime. It doesn't seem like this is the kind of perpetrator that has the ability to never kill again or before. 
Well, I, I hope they don't ever do it again. I mean, that's always the hope, is it? Or they are, they die a slow death. That, that's my worst fear about this is, is nobody's been caught, you know, and, and God knows how many other children they, he's, he's hurt. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important to find him. Yep. Yeah, 19 years done went by, though. I know. But there's hope. Here in Indiana, there was a 40-year-old case of April Tinsley. It shouldn't have to take that long, though. I'm not going to ever give up hope. Good. And I, I'll listen to everybody's. I'll, I'll let y'all know. God, I mean, it, it could be something small that solves this. It really could. Flip up. Absolutely. I got a phone call and told me that she had been found. And um, so I called Jeanette and I asked her, I said, do you want to ride with me? And she said, yeah, she could. So I told my boss lady what was going on. And I went and got Jeanette and we rode up there. And when we rode up there, there was... ABI, police, I mean, state troopers, counties, everything up there. But they wouldn't let us go up in the, where her body was actually at. They made us stay down at the car. But yeah. they asked them, was it Shannon? They said they're pretty sure that it was. And they asked Jeanette, did Shannon have, I think it was panties? And Jeanette told them, yeah, that she had just bought them for her. And, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, they found them tied around her neck. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. That, that was a horrible day. I told Jeanette, I just don't say anything to Marie till we know something for sure. I think the crime scene is probably the one thing that tells us the most about the perpetrator. And yeah. with the panties around her neck, the trash bag, was she tied with rope? That's what the paper report. Yeah. There was a rope there. Yeah. Uh, and the bag was tied with a rope. Don't quote me on that because I'm not exactly sure, but I do know there was a rope there. When we all this first came out, they said they had no DNA except for Shannon's DNA. That was all the DNA they had. So, I mean, it's strange. They didn't, couldn't get no DNA off the bag or, you know, anything. Yeah, that's, that's I, almost impossible. It wouldn't be odd to pull 70 profiles off of one bag. Right. Just because of the sensitivity of testing nowadays. So I, that's why I think it's so very important that everything is ran again. Right. They they need to do something. I mean, this person has gotten by with it and thinks he's going to keep getting by with it. He, she, whatever. And that's what I told Charlie. I said, I mean, if we can't find him for Shannon, I said, just think of the kids that, you know, he can be messing with or killed or whatever else because there's been a lot of 11 year old kids coming up missing here lately a lot of them i don't know did you go back to the crime scene later on after her funeral yes we did me charlie Jeanette, and james we all rode up there and um you could still smell an odor you know and you could tell where her body had been laying it was up under some bushes there but the animals had done gotten to her, and they didn't find everything. Oh. They found, you know, her skull. They found it, but a lot of her bones and stuff was scattered and where the animals had done gotten to her. When me and Jeanette rode up there, we knew the vicinity of where she was at. Yeah. And when we walked up that trail, you could see where they had little flag things. And that's how we knew where she was at. Oof, that is... Yeah, it was it was horrid. When you where you saw the flags and everything, and you said under a a, a bush. 
Did it look to you like someone had tried to hide her there, or was she just kind of thrown off of a road? It looks like some, well, you had to turn off the little drive road right there and walk up where she was at. So she was taken to where, and everyone who did this knows this area. I don't care what nobody says. Everyone who done this knows that area in County Road 66. I mean, they ain't just going to know to go on that hunting reserve. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, you just have to see this area to know. It's off a, bit, a, a normal dirt road, and then the other one is just like a one-car path that you can pull up in. I don't know how far it goes back. And then where she was at, it wasn't really a road. It was like a just a little lane-like thing that you can walk up in. I don't know if it's where it's been trampled, hunting, or what. I don't know. It, it actually wasn't but two dirt roads. That was like a little path-like. Well, of course, you know, this is kind of skewed by there being traffic from everyone that was there. Did it look like a place that had been visited quite frequently? Were there a lot of tracks and older tracks? And could you tell? I I don't remember. Let's load up some, you know, a little. Because you know how a little drive like thing, but how the weeds grows up and you you can drive over them. Okay, yeah. It's like a past. I've grown up, basically. I mean... Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Did they inter- ever interview you? No. I had to go give fingerprint and palm print down there because I was one of them that was in the, the room searching, you know, through stuff that they wanted all of us to give fingerprints. And no, nobody ever interviewed us. But yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I mean... People pointing fingers at people that didn't know anything about the case. The rumors and the half-truths seem to be in the way with this case, and that's kind of the whole point of what we're doing is trying to get it all out there in order to find the truth. Right. There's probably so much that happened that I don't remember, you know? Yeah, because it's been so long, and... Right, and if this probably would have happened 10 years earlier, we'd probably have more to go on, but the, the only thing that sticks out to me is John, because Shannon had a nosebleed, supposedly, at Ty Foster's trailer. They found DNA in his trailer, and supposedly she had a nosebleed, and that's how her DNA got in his trailer, but it's strange that Marie did Shannon have nosebleeds, and she said, yes, she did. She did have so, nosebleeds. Uh, uh, Marie said she did. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So I guess with her having a history of nosebleeds, that's that wouldn't be considered something that would be made up. You know, that sounds like it could have really happened that she had a nosebleed. Right. right. She was friends with his kids. Is that right? right. Yeah. I mean, Shannon was friends with everybody. And that's what that don't make no sense. That trailer park out there used to be alive. You, everybody was outside. You'd see them outside either grilling or cutting grass or, you know, anything. But that day, nobody seen anything. I know. That's, that's just weird that nobody's seen anything. It is weird. Have you yes. ever spoken to the hunters? Uh, no, I talked to them one time right after they found her. What did they say? They didn't talk about most. They just talked about how they found her, the way they found her and everything. The truck will crank as soon as they loaded the dogs up. The truck wouldn't crank no more. Let the dogs out. 
they run off over and over. They say they kept trying to crank the truck every time they get dogs in, the truck, the truck wouldn't crank. And they said they finally followed the dogs where they was running to, and that's when they found Shannon's body. The remains. Sounds like divine intervention to me. Yes, it does. And I'm glad you guys have that. At least you haven't been wandering. Right. Which my girlfriend, she was working at a subway right up the street, and one of the hunter's daughters worked at the subway. She was telling my girlfriend about some stuff that they came and asked for, asking her mom about questions about it, then wanting the hunter's clothes and stuff like this. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I did find, well, it was actually, Brad found an article that said that Clifford Ziegler yeah. turned in evidence after oh, really? they had found her, uh-huh. days after. Well, she hadn't never heard of that. That is odd. Yes, I'd never heard of that. I'll have to find the article and send it to you. Yeah. yeah. What could he have found that right. they didn't what? find and why? Right. I know. What did he find? And how did he come to have it? Why wasn't it... Ain't the same. Why well, didn't he give it to right. them there? Did he go back and search on his own to see if he could find anything else and found this? Well, they supposed to search the whole area the police were. What could he have found that they didn't? Did he have some involvement? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I never heard of the evidence he even turned in. And it seems he, like there's some people that don't want me to talk to them. They both ain't dead. Why would people be telling me that they are? I don't know. I found that very odd. It seems like there's a lot of people that want to derail this. Mm-hmm. Because the truth will come out of what their motives are and their intentions. But what do you got to hide? Uh, I, know. I know, right, yeah, that's, that's strange. But Gulledge, did you say his last name was? Ziegler, Z-E-I-G-L-E-R. Yeah. The other one was his last name. Gulledge was the other. Gulledge. James Gulledge. I heard that name before. He's the older gentleman, and then Clifford was seen, I think he was probably in his late, maybe mid to late 20s at the most. I can't find any record. That doesn't mean much because, like I said, Alabama is really hard to dig on background checks because mm-hmm. you don't have free access to a lot of information. So, weird. Yeah, it is. Those are the people that we need to really talk about. And if I mm-hmm. can, if they have a record, I can talk about that record. Here in Indiana, you can. I can find if they have a record at all, then I can talk about them through talking about what's a public record. Right, right. And in Alabama, oh my gosh, I, I would probably have to spend $500 <laughs> to try to I find know. some document that I can talk about all these suspects with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I don't get my ass sued. Sued. <laughs> right. I understand that. So it that, And that's what just really irritates you, that there's all of these people that need to be discussed and they all couldn't have taken her they all could not have been the ones that killed her no but there's one in the in the bunk that did, and he knows he's still out there. he's probably he's, he's probably part of the group i think so too right and by the way i think i might know who i think that person reached out to the page i think they commented on the page mm-hmm. that brought in the search dogs right i asked yeah, them on I, there I if they would talk they didn't respond and i'm going to send them a private message right but i think yeah. that would be huge Yes, I think it would, too. We stood there on the corner and just watched that dog. Just watched him. He's just trying to tear the bottom of that trailer apart. Man. And, you know, the police never even went up on it, looked or nothing. And he acted so weird. Yeah. It's midnight. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. How yeah. did he know yeah. that? Yeah. I'm pretty sure the other lady didn't tell him that. Oh, no. Because she said that 
Shannon had wanted her to, and I have verified that she did live there. Right. But this is a this is a lady that she knew. She knew a lot of those moms and dads and kids on Mets. Yes. Those were her friends. With, yes, she played with little babies and everything. Exactly, because that's who she was. She was social. Mm-hmm. And if she asked her to take her to Candy, did she ask someone else? Why did he say that? I didn't say I ain't that's the first, first I ever heard of him saying that. Lisa them never even told me nothing like that. That does sound strange. At 12 o'clock at night, him fully dressed and say she probably wouldn't get candy. Because yeah. he worked on, he worked on post, on base, 12 o'clock at night. He shouldn't be fully dressed. He should be in bed, getting ready to go to work at 5 o'clock. Really? Because he, he left out every morning at 5 o'clock going to work. Besides up waiting and getting ready to go to work. And he went, and he didn't help with the search yet. He knew Shannon. No. He knew no. Lisa. He knew Tiffany. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't help with the search, no. Was he there when the dogs were just going crazy around his trailer? No, he wasn't there. He wasn't. And I found it really odd that someone told a family member that the only DNA that they found was Shannon's at the crime scene. Hmm. I think that, I don't know. I just, I have trouble believing that. Right, me too. If you took your jacket and gave it to a lab, Mm. they're going to find probably a hundred different profiles nowadays. Mm. Just from someone that you brushed up against at a store, you touched a doorknob and then touched your jacket. I mean, DNA is so sensitive. Mm. And they only found Shannon. Uh, They don't don't sound right. But that was in 2001. Yeah. So why are they not resubmitting all of that? Because to me... This killer, he's a predator. Right. They don't just stop. Oh, no, they don't. Once they do it, they're going to do it again. He's probably done did it before. The necklace. Did someone tell you that they had found Shannon's necklace across the street? Yes, at the gas station, in the grass. Was it hers? I don't know. They just told us a black necklace with a charm on it, a rope necklace with a charm on it. That she had one. It, I'm pretty sure it was hers, because we could never find hers. Really? Yeah. The people at the store said they'd never seen her over there. They seen her before, but not that day. Beeline? Beeline. Is that where they are saying yes. they found the necklace? Did the yes. police ask you about the necklace, or did... Uh, I can't remember who found it, but somebody asked me about it, and I didn't see the necklace. They just described it to me, and it was like the one that Shane had that we never found. Wow. Mm-hmm. So here we've got... We know she at least asked one person to take her to the store to get right. candy. Mm-hmm. Her necklace is found at the very store that she was asking to be taken to. Right. In the grass. In the grass. She doesn't sound like a child that didn't value her her things and was just oh, yeah. careless. No, she held on to stuff. They came and took the tapes right. from gas stations along 31, but they, they gave them back. They gave them back. Are you kidding me? Yeah, keep that. Could it could have been a card that they didn't look into good. They could now. There's a city councilor here. Um, I know of his nephew, mm-hmm. and the, his nephew told me I need to talk to him because he said there's a lot going on with this case that they only they ain't letting out that I should know about. So I've been trying to get a hold of him. Oh, I hope you do. Yeah, he said there's lots going on in this case I should know about. Man, I hope you can talk to him. I'm trying. I, I got so much stuff going through my head. I couldn't. I don't remember stuff. You know, I could leave something out and something like that. You know? And that you know, and that's the importance of having doing these kinds of things. Is be, and right. so much has been people have remembered just from talking to me. 
I mean, I never dreamed of doing this. About like the lucky Lord just put it in your hands? Yeah, and I don't believe in coincidences, and I don't believe in not following when something's laid up on your heart. Right. If I were to not follow it, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Yeah. And that's just... Up. Yeah, because there is no reason that they should not be in support of finding justice for Shannon. Right. Yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of Olivia D since she might want to cover it. And that's the thing. She lives in, in Alabama, just like yeah. Elmore, mm-hmm. just like the other one you were telling me about. Yeah. And the one lady from Elmore, she did say, she's like, well, you know, we want to do an in-depth investigative reporting story on this. We don't want it just to be like a one-liner. Yeah. And there are steps that we have to take. Yeah. I have to call the investigating, whoever, who's investigating this case. And that was what, Elmore? What, that was uh, Elmore Otaga News. And okay. she said that sometimes they will tell them, please don't run a story on this. We're closed or blah, 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 or whatever. So she, I may not hear from her again, which is exactly what happened. I didn't hear from her again. Never happened. That's the same with me. That one, oh, yeah, we need you in here at a certain time, and this and that, and that day comes. And, um, we're sorry, we, we ain't going to do the interview. We'll get back in touch with you. And that makes no sense because they're in the business of reporting. Like, that's their job. So, who is shutting them down? And why are they listening? Right. Wesley, how are you doing? I am doing just fine. Been a wild ride for the two of us, huh? Yes, ma'am. Oh, man, I sure do appreciate everything you've done. Started out with a little Facebook group, and there was only probably less than 100 people in it. Came along, and we're... We're on top of 500 now. Appreciate the exposure and all the work that you've done. As soon as I saw her picture, that's, that's when I knew I had yeah. to see it all the way through. It's kind of um, stuck with me and my family. You know, we were here in Prabble at the time. We didn't know anybody involved. I drove past Candlestick Park on the way to work every day. So when this happened, we followed it closely, you know. And I was just thinking when, you know, when the true crime genre took off and everybody was having podcasts and Facebook groups and everything on all these unsolved. And I still didn't see anything on channel. So one day I just decided to just create the group. You know, it isn't very hard to create a Facebook group. I did it kind of like the philosophy. I don't know if you remember the the movie Field of Dreams. Oh, yeah. They will come. That was my philosophy. It was a little slow in the beginning, but people are starting to come to the group. and, and, And my main strategy is the more people talk about it and the more exposure it gets, the percentage goes up, there'll be a break. We can get the family. Yeah, absolutely. At least. And, and so you've been a big part of that. Definitely thankful to you. And, and there's others as well. You've really gone the extra mile. Good at what you do. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's sometimes the benefit of having OCD. <laughs> yeah, do anything just a little bit. Yeah. But uh, there are a lot of groups. And yeah. these cold cases that are older are the ones that can really benefit from something like that of just bringing them back into the light and not letting anyone forget and so i think that's so important and i appreciate what you've done for the Polk family and your community and and i've learned so much too from uh that i started it i really i literally knew only what was in the news, even though I was here local. I only knew what the news had said, which was barely anything. But when I started the group, people started to, to talk and contact me. And, and now we, we know so much more. And, of course, there's still so many more questions. But I really feel like uh, the public conversation puts pressure on the individuals involved. You know, And I think they're still here. And I think they're listening, not to us. They could be listening to us right now, but also in the group. And I think it uh, not only them, but people who know helps and that's what it takes put the pressure on folks 
that's why I would, I would love to see the results come from that. I do too. And, you know, and that's kind of why I'm doing this. And then coupled with the group and the Facebook page and the vigil, you know, sometimes that's what it takes. I know we both follow a lot of different podcasters and been able to see the fruits of the labor come from that. And and I hope that that is what we end up with with Shannon. So for this episode, we are on the day that she was found. She was found by hunters at a local hunting preserve. Now, you've actually been to this area. I have. I have searched, um, and I believe I have finally found the area. It is very elusive, even even when the family, the few family members and those close to the family that, that actually went out there, because they only went out there maybe once or twice, mm-hmm. and that was probably 19 years ago. Yeah. And so memories have faded, and, and there's been lots of other confusing things, like two roads with the same name, you know, like we talked about. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I kind of went some different places, um, walked some trails. I probably didn't need to walk because, but at the time, I, th- I think it was important to know where I was wrong, you know, so I can find the right place. I, I, I believe with uh, Charlie and um, Tammy's help, I found the right road referred to as a uh, fire lane hunting path is what I would call it. it it's right off of 66 and, it, and it, it's kind of set back and it's kind of at an angle to the road. 266 where it's kind of hidden so in other words i could park my truck if i park it all the way down to the entrance mm-hmm. it can't really be seen from the road because when people pass they look they're not looking that way they'd have to turn around um so it's i could see why it may be um the choice maybe mm-hmm. of whoever did this you know because um, it seemed a little more secluded and and uh, you go down that little road a little ways and it has gravel on it now but i don't think it did then it would be the second dirt road in the in the dirt road to the dirt road yeah road. but the other uh, the little grassy trail if you're looking for a trail if you're looking for it you see it but if you're just walking down the path you may not think to look over there and see it because it's it's an opening but it isn't like a uh, a really prominent opening in fact my daughter and i went down there and we knew where it was we had our gps uh, google earth out and i looked at where we were and i said okay it's right up here and we, we walked a little ways and we're talking and next thing i knew we had gone way past it and i looked down at the phone so i, I doubled back and and we found that there is a path, and it's 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 a grass path, and it's wide enough for a vehicle to drive back there even today. But it doesn't look like there's been vehicle traffic there now. Like, it's mm. not, you know, where you can see the ruts in the road or anything like that. It basically looks like a grass path, and it maybe 20 yards, 10, maybe not even that far. You walk up, and then it opens into a clearing. And based on the info I have, and one of those being, you know, the um, the coordinates that you had as well, I am really confident this is, that it's the spot. And Tammy and Charlie had, uh, they verified that the road off of 66 was 100%. That was the road. So I'm following the directions down there and you go into the clearing. I'm, I feel 99% that my only problem is that I couldn't find the, the marker or the cross, but it's been a long time. Oh, did yeah, they say there back. was one? I was told, um, I believe it was, there was a small cross put out there like uh, shortly after. I did have a question as far as, okay, so it is a hunting preserve. The land right. is owned by the the county, or they, you know, it's the county, yeah, because it's the Otago Wildlife Management Area is what they call it. Um, there's several the dirt road off of the dirt road going down 66. If you look to your left, you'll see the little metal gate on them, and that's only to prevent vehicles from getting back there. And those are entrances to the, the hunting area, and they each have a a name. It's not like a name that's going to be like on a map of public roads. 
it's within their system. For example, this one says Luke's Loop on it, and so that's what this fire lane is called. And they all, uh, some of them connect, I think, some may not. But there, if you go down the road, you'll see several of them um, at, at intervals. Okay. So, um, so it yeah, doesn't have that, kind of like a main entrance. It just has little. No, there is an area though on on uh, 57. If you're on 57, as you come up from Posey Crossroads near the turnoff to 66, there is a big sign for the area. In that area, it appears to be sort of a what you might call kind of a an entrance, but it's not a any kind of a gated thing. It's just like a sign that kind of is showing you that this is. A, you're at the spot or whatever. It sounds hard to find. It's definitely not easy to figure out because looking at it on the map. Right. The thing that everyone has always said is that I don't see how anybody, you know, let's just theoretically say, a, you know, a serial killer who lives in Georgia or Louisiana or somewhere who just happens to find himself here working or something and, and does this, they would have to have very, very specific knowledge of the place. Either that or have somebody helping them and say, hey, I know a place. Because this hasn't been told before. This isn't the kind of thing where they just pull up to the side of a dirt road and just put her out. Like you said, they had, to, they had to take that trail and then they had to find that other grass trail, go all the way down there, not knowing where they were going and end up in this clearing that goes nowhere other than you turn around and go back the other way. It strikes me as this is either this person knew exactly the location or they had somebody help them. When her body was found, like I said, it was, it was uh-huh. found by two hunters, Clifford Ziegler and James Gulledge. It does appear that Mr. Gulledge has passed away. I can't find anything on Mr. Ziegler. He was younger. The okay. picture is, especially Mr. Gulledge, he just, he looks shocked in the newspaper yeah. article. I mean, the poor man, like, he just looks like... Yeah, just, that's a traumatic thing to have to do. Yeah, couldn't, <laughs> it looks like he hadn't even processed what was going on or that he was even right. getting his picture taken. Mr. Ziegler, I think he was already maybe paying attention and looking for Shannon. And he had said in there, if she was going to be found, it would probably be in a place like this. That may seem like, whoa, let's back up. But I do that. I don't know about you. Sure. What else do we know about him? Was it Ziegler? Yeah. He was um, a black man. In his picture, he had on, I think, you know, they must have had to wear the orange hats. But he was in his 20s. And other than that, like, I really don't know much about him. That had the extra piece of evidence, or was that... um... Yeah. Very strange. Uh, And uh, was he with... Were they hunting together? Yes, they were together. They okay. were hunting together. Okay. It is strange that he would bring something back later, but I heard you mention one of the other interviews, and it makes sense, you know, like, if the dogs were running around and that's what led them to this, they mm-hmm. could have, the dogs could have had something possibly that, that ended up in the truck or something like that. There's a possibility, you know, but uh, exactly. I don't know what, what else it would have been. I know. Would, you know, like, if they go, I can't imagine them going and actually picking something up and then forgetting there to point that out to the to law enforcement, you know, right away. But. Right, because it was sometime after they had already done the search of that right. area, like combed it over with crime scene unit. Yeah. So and it, it wasn't just the next day either. I think uh-uh. it, was, it was like a, maybe even a couple of weeks or something, yeah, or something like that. Makes me think that he could have possibly gone back out there. Maybe yeah. it was on a follow-up trip or, you know, how people are. They want to see yeah. it. Maybe he took someone back out there. Because it had been six weeks in Alabama, yeah. which there was no rain. And yeah. a lot of her little body was skeletonized and dragged away yeah. by animals. And yeah, so, spread out, so it could have been a... Or, yeah, you're right. 
Um, so, yeah, there's all kinds of reasons, I guess, why that could yeah. occur. Definitely odd, though. Yeah. <laughs> it got my attention. Well, everything. <laughs> like, everything needs to be, be looked at and talked about. Because, um, yeah, that's definitely kind of unusual. And if you're listening, Mr. Ziegler, if I'm saying your name right, probably not, I would love to talk with you to find out yeah. some details about that. But I could totally see myself. I do it all the time, I'm, but I'm a big weirdo. And things are happening all the time. And so if you're observant and, and you watch your environment and what people are doing, and like you said, when you go out, if you see something that looks a little bit strange, you know, mm -hmm. try to take a look at it. You may help somebody else solve an unsolved case, that, exactly. you know, another family out there that needs something solved. So. It's because you just never know. But, yeah, I hope Mr. Ziegler hears this and he's willing to talk to us because I think that would, be that would be great. really beneficial to get that firsthand account of, because I'm sure it is, you know, he's never going to forget <laughs> that day, yeah. unfortunately. What did you make of her clothes being in a pile? Um... Just not uh, somebody who's I don't I don't know really as far as you know something to really intelligent uh, to get out of that other than whoever did this was it's kind of odd why would they keep them together with her but they weren't on her right yeah so I don't know why they would uh, keep the clothes together with her and not if you're trying to conceal something maybe mm -hmm. put them like in some other totally unrelated area. Maybe just someone, a lazy person, I'll just throw the stuff, throw everything in one bag, and I don't know. Haste. You know, if you're doing that in what haste, you, you... Well, to me, it says that whoever the perpetrator is took her clothes off. So yeah, that yeah. leads me to think that it, we are looking at a sexual oh, yeah, motive. Absolutely. Clothes yeah. in the bag, you know, with her. Now, if we knew they were folded, that would tell me something completely different, but... Right. For right now, all we know is that they were in a pile in the bag with Shannon. So, right. to me, it seems like something that's done in haste to you put everything in exactly. here and then get it get it out as quick. That, that was kind of kind of what I was thinking and, and imagining is that they just take, grab it and like in a hurry kind of thing and, and no care given to how it's done or anything like that. More impersonal, for sure. To me, her clothes were not on her. That signifies that it was a sexually driven crime. Now, it could still have been an accident. We don't know. Right. But with her aunt saying that her underwear were on her head. Right. Man. Um, yeah, that, that kind of indicates, yeah, for sure, that if it was an accident, it doesn't seem like they would have done that. And the fact that the rest of the clothes were separated away from her and that was done is kind of, uh, Disturbing, but it also shows definitely the intent there was the, you know, the sexual predator. You know, and we just don't know if that was done after her death or before. Say it was an accident. I could see that being an impulse that they Possibly. did just because that is their fantasy or whatever, but that the right. actual killing could have still been an accident. Um, and to say accident, I, I don't knows the right word when I'm saying this, but the intent to, might not have been to kill, but the intent could have been to assault. Exactly. And yeah. then, but then not to kill. So, yeah, so that would lead into the, the idea that they would do something like that after the fact if right. they had um, certain, you know, inclinations to do. The articles and from talking to others, there was rope and she was, yeah. she was tied up in some kind of fashion. We've heard sailors knot, electricians knot. Yeah, there you go. I don't know what that is, but it's what we've heard. I've heard hog tied. 
you know, I mean, there's just so many different rumors that it's hard to even know what's truth, but. For sure, of of the type of person you might have done it, you know, when you have the types of knots or the fact that someone who was hogtied as well. Yeah, which could could have been the cause of death right there. Yeah, that's another thing, you know, somebody, some of these kinds of knots, I guess, uh, you know, are specific enough to where people recognize their special knot, you know, so if somebody knew someone who knew how to do those kind of knots or has tried other things in those using those kind of knots or right. methods, that might be an indicator. And you know, and that, this episode is, it's a tough one and it will come with yeah. many different warnings in it. But at the same time, I think it's important because I believe that there is someone out there that knows who did this and they may be covering for that person all these years later because they think it right. was an accident. That's why they just, won't come forward. But if they hear straight up fear, yeah. Fear too, but if they're just able to use that as an excuse of, oh, you yeah. know, it was just an accident, they took her out there because it was an accident and right. they're never so gonna let's do never it again. Talk about this. Right. But if they hear what was done to Shannon, you cannot put blinders on anymore. You know, when when you hear that this killer put her underwear on her head, tied her with rope, put her in a trash bag, her clothes were not on her, and dumped her somewhere that not many people are going to know. You can't hide behind, they'll never do it again, it was an accident, blah, 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 anymore. And that should make that person angry to, if they find that out, if that was the case, it should make them angry. Right. And, and feel the need to say, okay, this needs, this is different now, even though. Enough's enough. You know, even under the other circumstances, it was wrong, uh, obviously, to protect somebody for, if mm-hmm. they thought it was an accident, but that should hopefully be enough to drive somebody to talk. I hope know? so. And that's the only yeah. reason that it's here, that we're talking about it right now. Right. Because right, I mean, yeah, I agree. you're living in that delusion that this is a good person that made a mistake, a little accident, and panicked and didn't know what to do. You're fooling yourself. When you hear how her body was found and the things that were done to her, you mm-hmm. you can't you can't say that anymore. That, right. And if you're that kind of person in that case, and you got to think about you know you've lived you've lived your life, and maybe if you have kids, they've lived their lives, and and uh, this is. Shannon didn't get a chance. I was taken away from her, and so it's time. I mean, it was past time, but they need to tell the truth. It's you know, too late for them to tell the truth and clear it all. Yeah. I, you heard the episode. I was talking to my dad, and I read um, yeah. Shannon's mom, Marie's statement, and you're going to stand before some judge See, somewhere. That's right. You get that right. It's going to come out. If it doesn't come out in this world, yeah, yeah, you're going you're gonna to stand before God with it, and maybe helpful to your soul to get it out before you get to that point. You know? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that's all up to yeah. the, my perception right. of the afterlife. Yeah. I don't think that we're yeah. dealing with a person that really has much of a conscience. Right. But at the same They're time, yeah. look at Ed Kemper. He just ended up, and even Ted Bundy did that. A lot of them, you know, they get to the end of their life and then just like tell it all. But like Ed Kemper, yeah. he came to realize, yeah, I'm doing all of this because I'm really just killing my mother. So what he did to his mother right. was absolutely horrendous. I can't imagine yep. like sleeping with my mom's head. But that's what he did. I know. That's horrible. Oh. And Ted Bundy, all of those cases. And those are, like you said, those are, you know, yeah. these people are wired differently. And like Jeffrey Dahmer types. And 
But the people around them, though, and, and that's kind of like what we're focusing on. If there's somebody who, who did know something or, or helped in some way, they may not be that kind of person. And so they're the ones dealing with, with their feelings on this. Right. And it would probably would be good and helpful to them and to everyone else if they would come clean with what they know anyway. I love psychology. And so you have that toxic family dynamic where there are individuals inside of that family unit that are completely wrong. Then you have other individuals in the family that are like normal, but they're viewed as the abnormal one in toxic family, you know, units. And I often wonder if that isn't the case with this killer, if their family is experiencing some of that and they are considered like the black sheep if they were to divulge those secrets that the family keeps. You see that a lot, a lot. At the end of the day, you only go to sleep with your conscience not anyone else's and if you can't live yeah, with it anymore come forward yeah ultimately you're you're on your own at the end of your life you know you're also going to be laying there very alone even though you might have around you you know what i mean so better sooner than later to uh to get a lot of things straight and you know and on that same line my podcast vision my statement is named that because everyone right. has their perceptions and if i say something wrong Call me out. Like, that's the yep. whole point of this. And I feel like there's a lot of silence after every episode. I, the same way, and it's kind of, I've experienced that from the beginning, where you run into kind of brick walls where somebody, you might get someone to say something, and then all of a sudden they'll just stop, or they will just say, um, well, I don't know. And then that'll be it, and they won't talk anymore. So, yeah, I've experienced that as well. Yeah. And, and to, to draw that out, and, and I think a lot of that is a lack of trust, not necessarily, I mean, of course, they need to learn to know who we are when we're talking to them to be able to trust us but I found that they're willing to talk to, to me or they have been but I think their, their mistrust of others involved keeps them from saying something that, that they think will be repeated so that it'll come back to them right those kinds of things is what I think uh, folks are worried about and it's understandable it is to a degree and i just hope that by everyone hearing the horrific way that shannon was found you have to realize that i think a lot of times we just get busy in our day-to-day like yeah you get inspired one day and you're like oh i want you know i want this solved and i want to help and i know this and then baseball practice comes along plans work and then people just kind of and then you get this waxing and waning from people and it's really frustrating because you know 19 years ago exactly we're at the point where we can't have any more excuses we have to stay diligent the diligence and the attention to detail is what helps going on then i find myself away from it again and then i then i want to get back to it and and i have to To finish up with the day of the 6th, after they found her, they had to reframe the case. And I think that's why we saw a profile come out the next week. They did have some trouble IDing her right away, which is not uncommon. Her funeral was on the 19th, and she was found on the 6th. Not a long time, but I think that they knew it was her based on... Yeah, the official ID, you know... is um, you know something that might take a little longer, but yeah, I think like you said, if if they knew other things, the family you know was able to identify her in other ways. Well, we know by the panties uh-huh. and by her clothing, that was one of the things that Mister Ziegler had said. He recognized the shorts. 
that she had on because they were in the description. Even though I think that they had to wait officially to say this is Shannon, everyone knew it was Shannon. Um, They started investigating it right then as a murder, as a uh, abduction murder. And it really does seem like they have focused on that sexual predator, that type of killer. Not saying that there's a serial killer out there, but that this crime was sexually motivated towards Shannon. Whether it could have been any little girl, we don't know. The profile, to me, I try not to get too caught up on those. They're really just common sense. Someone is going to change their behavior. (laughs) They're going to change their looks. They're going to... Yeah. So... They most definitely would. Yeah. And I would think that after her body was found, if you have a family member or a friend that was watching the news constantly and with intense focus, that's a person that you need to turn in. Or especially nervous or jittery about it or right. really lack of focus on, on other, the other things they normally do. They're disregarding their normal routine mm-hmm. because they're caught up in thinking about this. Yeah. And right off the bat, the investigators are coming out and saying we're running DNA. Then the next day when the article was posted and they made their statements of like, yes, they're doing DNA forensics to ID Shannon, but they had to know that my DNA could be on there too. So they could have been really nervous because of that statement alone. That's that's a, a really good point because you can say, hey, this this was strange that this was going on, you know. And I'll um, take you a step further and say that the people that you work with would notice differences. Uh, it's just too bad that those are the kind of people we need to hear from, the, mm-hmm. the ones that have these little inklings. And sometimes they don't turn out to be much, but that's okay. It is okay, yeah. And you never know when you're working on a case like this, could it... Could the person that you have suspicions on, maybe they are not the killer of Shannon, but maybe they have done something else. Something. Something else, yeah. And people Um, have to follow their gut, you know. Most of the time when you think something sketchy, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, so I think that that's just the importance of this episode, and I am, I've struggled with it. It was hard to decide which way to go, but at the end of the day, I cannot help but be hopeful that this is not in my hands, and so whatever comes out is meant to, and if it leads to this person being apprehended and stands trial and their family finally has that it's not closure but it is the right. the end of that struggle well, with it, not knowing ju- uh, justice yeah justice yeah as long as we got people talking about it even if we rehash things or backtrack and it's as long as we keep the conversation going keep the awareness there that's going that once that energy gets going it creates openings and, and right. things happen Right. And, and also, this pressure also won whoever did it. Was there anything well, from the interviews that you heard that you found significant? Well, I had mentioned the uh, the necklace already. Um, I, one thing Billy said about a city councilman who had talked to him about the state of the investigation was significant to me. That if there's a city councilman who knows something, the investigation to say something to Billy, that he might yeah. might be able to find out some information about at least what's currently going on mm-hmm. with the investigation. Um, that shouldn't be too hard to figure out who that was. I, um, yeah, I agree. I mean, to say something like that to the father of a murdered child. Yeah, why say it unless you're, I mean, unless, you know, I mean, if he was just trying to be encouraging, but uh, it would seem like he, unless he had some reason to be passing on some hope mm-hmm. and that there might be some there. And I do. I know that I have emailed back and forth with one of the investigators 
on Shannon's case. So I do know that, and I've talked to people that they have gone out and interviewed again, witnesses and whatnot. So they are still working on this case. And I hope that the vigil can be a platform that they will take advantage of and use. I thought about that too. I think that, you know, that could be very helpful. And I hope that they continuously reach out to different forensic labs or, you know, different things in the, in that field because it, the technology just advances yearly. And that and would so be many so different important. Ways. So that my, that's my hope is that, and we've seen this in other cases where we didn't know uh, that the uh, law, law enforcement had the impression that they were not, mm-hmm. they actually were, and they actually closed the case out. And so then all of a sudden, boom. So that's my hope is that one day somebody will wake up as a free person, you know, for the last time have the police knocking on their door. So right. that would be great. Yeah. And I think that you could tell from everyone that I had interviewed, it was a hard, it was a hard one for them. I yeah. didn't want to thank them. I mean, that took a lot to talk about that. And Absolutely. And I can't imagine because I've never had, you know, I've got, got kids and, and I just can't imagine right. the, uh, how, how hard, how much horrible that is i respect their willingness too and the despair that they have to feel just every day that goes by you're did i walk past the killer is the killer put himself in my life do i know him you know that right do i were they my neighbor and do i do i still know them and yeah uh, You know, and that has to just be so tiring. We can't put ourselves in their position. You know, with my aunt, he killed himself. So we don't know what it's like to live with that unknowing. Um, You know, I just think about the fact that if this is somebody they know, that the family kind of knows and maybe has pretended to be their friend and things like that, just how that is, you know, how, how cruel that is for a person to do that to somebody else to not only take their loved one away, but then to be there and stand by them and pretend to still be in their life and try to be there, be there next to them. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying that a lot of times you hear that it's somebody close, close enough to the family where they, they trust them. And that's just probably about as low as you can get. To do right. something. And then, and then to basically continue hurting the family by, mm-hmm. by doing that all, you know, afterwards. Exactly. Another thing that just reminded me of was those certain kind of sick that will insert themselves into the family's lives after that they didn't know before, but that have kind of snuck in as someone that may come across as very caring and helpful and really going out of their way, blah, 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 blah. There are yep. a certain kind of sick that will do that. And sometimes they do it because they're sadistic, but sometimes they also uh-huh. do that because they want to know what is being said What's going to on. make sure they're not going to get yeah. caught. But and, and that, I have a feeling that the person, you know, because I feel like the person's from Prattville and they lived in the, the candlestick, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. So that person is still around here following very closely what's going on. I feel like that could one day, you know, if somebody notices someone they know acting like that or for some reason being... Or maybe that that what we've said today triggers a memory for the family of like, oh, do you remember that one guy that just wouldn't go away? Just constantly like trying to... Asking questions or or acting like he was helping. Right. You may not think of unless you're reading about it and doing this kind of thing all the time. I just... 
I just feel it in my bones. There's somebody in that neighborhood that that knows, you know. And I think so too. That's ground zero for me. I just and, and in, in in a way that's kind of when you think of it in those terms. And and you know, it's, I don't want to say you know, it's it's exciting to the point of like, okay, we can pretty much say well, you've narrowed down your pool by so much. You know, you're saying okay, there's what was there a hundred something people in there or more? I don't know, mm-hmm. but still, you're saying okay. This, the killer came from this group of people, you know. That's something that a lot of cases don't have going for them anyway. You know, a lot of random things that happen out in the middle of nowhere or something. But when you think of it in terms of that park. My map, you know, that's basically why I'm doing that is to locate each name of each individual that lived in there because I really do. I think the killer will be on that list. And if they're not on the list, somebody who was very close to them. Yes. I mean, who was very, who was there a lot. Right, right. A best friend, an uncle, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, a brother. Because I don't, I seriously don't think the cable guy just rolled in there one day to do work and decided to do this. You know, it just doesn't seem likely right. to me. I don't either. Yeah. And I will say that I recognize there is the potential for that, but it, it's not very reasonable. It's not the most reasonable explanation, that's for sure. Right, not this. The one that makes the most sense would be somebody who's living there. Somebody Shannon mm-hmm. knew. Right. And then with that, if we do think that they are local to Candlestick and Otago County, do you think that this is an isolated crime? Um, I I would be due to the, like we talked about with how she was found and also it being the the sexual nature. I just, I feel like the person has done things before or after. And um, there's been talk about connecting these, these other girls that are in the other cities. And um, it doesn't seem likely to me that some from another place and did this because of the nature of that dirt. But it, I guess it is possible that we had somebody living right here in the park, that um, somebody who uh, may have gone on and killed people in other places, the serial killer of types could just be where they yeah. lived here in Candlestick. And this is something they did here and then went on to do went on to do things in other places. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't see somebody coming from, from out of town like a, who would come through and do this because Candlestick doesn't lend itself. It's not vulnerable in that way where somebody just passes has a quick grab somebody real quick or something. But, but yeah, I think mm-hmm. there's a possibility that maybe this could be the, if it wasn't for the fact of what we saw, the way she was left, I would think it's, it could, this would not be the only time uh, they did it. Because if they had, if it was an accident or something, uh, like a real accident, and they were just too scared to say anything, I don't think she would have been found the way she was found. Um, I think things would have been a lot different than maybe that would have been a one-time person just is trying to live with it or something. But the way she was found tells me that the person, I don't know how they could do that, you know, and then just like say, okay, I'm not going to do it again or if they've done it before. So I would say, uh, yeah, that they probably killed before or since. Yeah, Especially if it was the act of killing is the... Right, the the trigger or the the, thing they're looking for. The modus act of just molesting right then it changes everything and we we don't know but the sadistic nature you just don't turn that off i think what you made you said something right there yeah if it like we said before if if the intent was just to sexual assault and then they accidentally mean to but they ended up killing her i suppose i could see somebody not trying anything like that for a while but then maybe eventually going back to trying to do assaults and things again without without the murder Mm -hmm. i could see something like that i I would say the person maybe is at least has sexually harmed others oh yeah before since you know at least maybe not murdered them all but right and the things that are going to tie those together are going to be the signatures such as panties and rope exactly and um 
Those are things that, as you look at these other, that's why sometimes I'll, I'll run across other cases and look at the details to see if any of them seem to be. Every once in a while, you run across things that kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit. Peggy Chapel yeah. is one. That one definitely. Uh, so if you know you have those connections and, and if you can match them up, maybe you got something. Could have been someone that moved out of yeah. Candlestick right after, and they went to another state, and then you got this little cluster of killings wherever this person ends up living. Yeah. Bingo. Right. Exactly. Or they had a reason to travel. I think a lot of people get so stuck on they're going to stay in this little tight area. Well, there's no other similar crimes in this 10-mile, 15-mile radius. So you're going to find one where they live. That's going to be their first one or something like that. They're not just going to only kill. Right. They're going to move to different areas. Yeah. And that's what makes it a little bit interesting um, when you look at, I guess, the main one would be Heaven Ross. Tuscaloosa right. area, I know that's north. It's pretty close. I mean, it, and people travel that road a lot, you know, going to ball games. That It's not that difficult of a, of a ride. Each of there is Highway 82, which is very close to, to where um, the park is on 31, you know, so it's just basically down the highway. Somebody was thinking those terms, they might think, okay, well, this is far enough away, and they may know some town a little bit of Tuscaloosa. It's a pretty popular place, you know, so they, who knows? Her body, I mean, it was found closer to ground zero of where she was abducted, but it was yeah. moving towards Prattville. Right, it was in an old house or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Underneath the house or something to that effect, yeah. but could do it fairly quickly and predictably, probably to, to get there and back. Say this was done by a serial killer. It's probably a serial killer that moves a lot. You yeah, know, they don't stay. They don't live in the same house until they die. I think it would be a good exercise, maybe a little bit of homework for our listeners and for us to go back through those residents that live there and see where all they have lived to see if yep. you can where connect they... something. Yeah, exactly. VICAP, that's what it's for, is finding patterns. We can't use VICAP. We can use murder data, though. We have a list of names that we put together of residents, and we can just systematically go through there and see where all they live. And if someone travels for work, that's another one. My thing is, is it's like, man, I mean, it seems like someone really, I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about that with all of the different little girls that have been taken from mobile home parks? Is that just as as being, logic, common uh, sense? Maybe because they seem to be vulnerable, possibly. Uh, killer killer thinks they're, mm-hmm. they're vulnerable and and, uh, and that they're maybe easier to, and where Candlestick, again, doesn't, doesn't really fit that opinion, they may think it's easier to drive through a mobile home park without attracting as much attention as they would driving through a, a just regular neighborhood, maybe, or, or the person, I don't know, you know, it could be just that whoever's doing it may be there from, they have lived in home parks, you know. Yeah. They're comfortable. That's where they're that's comfortable, you know. Yeah. They know what they're like, so, yeah, Right, of so course. that's, their, that's the thing they gravitate zone. to. But, yeah, so, it's yeah. unfortunate because there's quite a lot of children that have I have found do I think that they're all connected to Shannon? No possibility as far as if this was a serial, but right, right. that it's more so that the killer is comfortable with mobile home parks and not necessarily that right. he views them as easy target. An easy target, I guess, to them would probably be more like if they see a person who's vulnerable as opposed to... Well, you know, and but, that's the thing with... a stranger abductions they're not easy you know that's yeah, very brazen and what does that tell us about the killer just his and it could also be profile. somewhat somewhat a crimes of opportunity as well like for example maybe if somebody's not thinking about 
necessarily thinking about doing something that day, but they have in the past. Mm-hmm. And so when they see something, when they see a potential victim, it just triggers them and they're like, okay, I'm doing this. So it's, it's not like a necessarily a planned thing, you know, and it makes it more random. Yeah, but the opportunity just presented itself that day. Right, right. I get you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's probably true way more often than not. It, I don't think they plan and project the calendar. They, uh, I think they just do these things, you know, when it strikes them or when something triggers it. I've read it in several different news articles. It, it seems like they may have tried to get, like, a name to catch on. The anniversary killer. A little bit too much to me. I mean, because uh, I could see maybe somebody doing something at near time every year, but I don't know if they would trigger on the same exact date. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that kind of stuff on, on TV shows, and I guess there's probably been real cases of things like that happening. But when they do happen, though, they're so they're so sensationalized that that we think that happens yeah. all the time, but really, like, mm. and in this case, it really wasn't. If there weren't to be the exact days, a couple of them were not on the same day. It was a couple days mm-hmm. off, I think. No. Well, there's only been one that I have found that was August yeah. 16th of 1996. Podcast covered her case. It's in Tennessee. <laughs> they just recently caught the suspect, and it was because of the podcaster. He came for a vigil, and wow. they let him kind of come in and see her house. There was, I think it was renters that were still living in it, and the same owners had owned it the whole time or whatever. They had not changed this one area in the house. He had noticed something, and I think it was kind of one of those, yeah, we always try to cover that spot, but it won't ever cover. Well, blood does that. And so he paid law enforcement to come out and like test this. That's how they found this killer. It's crazy. Pete Hill is the suspect's name. I believe he's been arrested or at least named as a person of interest based on the DNA, but pretty good team working with me now. You've been awesome and C has been awesome and, and so many people in the group. There's another lady, um, I don't want to say her name because I didn't ask her permission, but she'll know who she (laughs) is, that she's been really focusing and doing a lot of write-ups and research on some of these other cases. And then we've had help from Brad, who does great work. He is so smart. I really enjoy that guy. You have checked out his cases. Please do. I will. I mean, he's very, he's insightful. He really is. I I know with our case here, he helped out a little bit and, and he was very quick and accurate. He found some things that I didn't know existed. So yeah, um, it'd be great to have him uh, come back in to help us out some more too. Yeah, I think, you know, where he is in his own case. And see, and that's the thing is like, I totally get that because I don't have time to look for any connections between Shannon and all of these other children that I have on my map. And that's right. where I've been so appreciative of the one lady of just taking each one of those names and really deep diving into them so that I can stay right. focused on Shannon and getting this out there because right. it's a lot, especially, you know, what we've learned about and now everyone else is going to know it too. Having done the episode on the day that her body was found, we said right. I mean, the chances of someone that could do that to a child not repeating and, it. And not, right, and not be acting very strange on the day right. that she was found and those kinds of things. So, yes, this will help, I believe. Yeah, I think Just that like all the other ones have. There's more victims out there. Whether they are alive or dead, I don't know. But you just don't stop. If you have that kind of a sadistic, hedonistic, that you could, even just putting a child in a trash bag. I mean, think about that. I know. Think about that. So, like. Every aspect of it is just so uh, terrible. 
if you have no problem doing that to Shannon, then you're not going to have a problem doing that to someone else. Right. And exactly. people like to put themselves in a bubble that this could never happen to me. And I think that's why people like sketches because then they can yeah. just look for that one crazy looking mole guy. And if he's right. not someone that they know or recognize when they're out, they're safe. And that is just so far from yeah. the truth. That's why I just don't like sketches. From an eyewitness, shoot. I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried that exercise. My daughter and I did, where we saw a couple walking on the trails here where we go hiking. And I'm like, come uh-huh. on, let's try to memorize what they look like and take in all yeah. the details. And then in one day, see what we remember. And then in like three days, and we'll just keep doing that. Yeah. Holy crap. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Kingdom, yeah. And this couple, the guy was, because I had kind of like, hey, this is kind of weird. Like, we were both really paying attention because of the way this gentleman was acting. It wasn't what we thought it was in the beginning. Even though that guy got both of our attention, oh my gosh, I couldn't tell you what color shirt he had on a week later. Because we didn't write anything down. We just went from what we remembered. Yeah, so that's why they're just not reliable. Right, and people may even have the best intentions as a witness, but they're still going to get key points wrong. At best, it's kind of a caricature, maybe, you know. (laughs) That's what the person looks like. Definitely looks like a caricature, that's for sure. (laughs) Craziest sketch I've ever seen, and I've seen some doozies. (laughs) I zoomed in and and blew up the uh, newspaper, the second sketch, the one that was Uh a little less disturbing with the bulging eyes. Yeah. And (laughs) there's literally drawn on there, and they reach all the way over from the mole to the nose. There's like two hairs touching that sketch's nose. I hadn't noticed it in the newspaper article because it's tiny on my phone, but when I put it on my computer, couldn't believe it. They actually drew those big, too long drew hairs that, out. that long, yeah. Yeah, touching his nose, yeah, whatever. That, that would definitely be uh, an identifying feature for sure. Yeah, but you can't, I mean, they would have had to be <laughs> like, right up. They can't see someone's hair. Like, <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you talking to me about this episode. Well, I appreciate everything you've done and because uh, you're making a difference. Well, I know that Good I am job. excited to meet y'all. I can't wait. <laughs> Only a couple more months. Yeah, it's coming up. Coming August up. August 16th. The energy that it creates of knowing there's an event like this going on after all these years. It'll bring a lot of, uh, you know, people, a lot of memories coming up and emotions right. that people have. And, right. And so you never know what could, what could come out of it. So. And I think that Roger is to. going to sing Shannon's song, you know, for oh, people to listen yeah. and do the words of that song. I mean, you, oof, awesome. I think we're going to have some different things like that happen, looking like. So I'm excited. That'd be um, great. We'll have a lot of work to do. Do when I'm there. Um, <laughs> we'll get it. We'll help you out. Let's get her done. Yes, ma'am. Thank All you. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Cold Truth. And thank you, Taylor, for the music. If anyone would like to hire him, shoot me an email at coldtruthpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call me at 765 357 6356. I would also like to give you the tip numbers for the investigators on Shannon Nicole Polk's case. You can call the secret witness line at Prattville Police Department at 334-595-0259. 
You can call Detective Sergeant Tom Allen at 334-595-0256 or you can email him at tom.allen at prattvilleal.gov. You can also call the SBI or at least try to at 1-800-392-8011. I would give you their email, but the last time I used it, it didn't work. And if you have a number for the FBI, please let me know. Please, if you know anything about who did this to Shannon, pick up the phone and email or call. Her family has waited long enough. 19 years have gone by without knowing and without the person who did this to Shannon being held accountable. It's time. Our goal is that by the 20th year anniversary, we are having a celebration. I do hope that you will join us on August 16th of this year at Pratt Park, 6 p.m. for the candlelight vigil for Shannon. As always, thank you for listening to Cold Truth. Have a good one.